once again, dear church family, this evening we continue with our Bible study in the life of Joseph, in the life of Joseph. We're now on our eighth study in the series. In our previous study, we saw more clearly why Joseph was made to endure such afflictions and such sufferings. Why was Joseph made to, to suffer such afflictions? And in the, in the previous study, he, he suffered the lowest of lowest. He was in this Egyptian dungeon, this prison, and no doubt he was at the lowest point, as it were. Um, he had to suffer. Why? Why did he have to go now 13 years from when he was 17 years old up until he was 30? 17 years he had to go through these things. Well, as we thought last time, it was because the Lord God was preparing. Joseph for great usefulness, great instrumentality to be used of the Lord for a position of great power and influence, which of course would be to save much people alive and to bring his own household, his brethren, and save them as well. Often our trials of faith, God so uses us to prepare us for great Usefulness. Yeah, we see two themes here. We see the great faith, but also alongside the faith of Joseph, we see how it humbled him, the humility he shows here, and the, and the relation that faith has with humility. And we see it so clearly in this passage today. Now, friends, this evening we begin a new chapter in chapter 41 of Genesis. And admittedly, I've really struggled <laughs> to get past the first verse in this, uh, in this passage, simply because of its significance and just the, sh the sheer amount of application which we can just draw from this, this, this one verse alone. And so please forgive me <laughs> the, pace, um, the pace I'm going to go at. I know this is our eighth study. Um, but my children will tell you that I, I like to take things quite slowly <laughs> in, our, in our Bible study. So um, we're going to look at the first verse, but we're also going to take some time looking at that one. And then we'll do the 14 verses uh, in the whole. There's just too much to fit in into this whole, um, into this whole, uh, into the study of the whole chapter. Verse 1 of the Word of God says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed and behold he stood by the river we see we see friends the emphasis the Holy Spirit puts upon those words two full years almost to emphasize to us what must have been going through Joseph's heart and mind when he again his goodness, his kindness was so abused by, by those who he showed such kindness to. The Holy Spirit saying is, is giving us, yeah, just to feel a little bit of what Joseph endured. That he showed so much kindness. He, he did only that which was good. He only cared for people's souls and people's welfare. And yet, for two full years, as it were, Time passed, and no doubt in those two trying years, I believe that those must have been the most trying times of his life. 
because it would, would seem that he has been abandoned by everyone. And, uh, and we know in such a situation, when people wait upon the Lord, one of the hardest things to do is, is waiting upon the Lord. And so no doubt he must have been full of temptations to recant, temptations to loosen his grip upon the Lord. And so the, these words here, that the Holy Spirit has so inspired, are just significant. Two full years had gone by after the cupbearer had been restored to his office because of Joseph's kindness that he showed to him. And again, for me, this really represents Joseph's lowest point as a believer. Because by the grace of God, for more than a decade, for 13 years now, Joseph had opposed evil and was punished for it. He, was, he showed such Christ-likeness. Joseph honoured his father and authorities and was despised because of it. He was obedient with his words and his actions and he was envied because of it. Joseph was kind and sought the welfare of his brothers and of others, as we'll come to see, and he, he was despicably abused because of that. Joseph, for his integrity, was falsely accused and yet suffered quietly and innocently for it. And finally, Joseph's great kindness and consideration again to the butler was rewarded with forgetfulness. With forgetfulness. Two full years had gone by. This low point now, this lowest of low points now. And you know, friends, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, um, you'll know as well as I will that one of the hardest things to do as a believer is wait upon the Lord. It really is. Wait upon the Lord. But we should take the Lord's own words to heart in this respect in terms of his prayer that he gave us to pray for. Thy will be done in heaven as it is in earth. We must always have in mind, I'm waiting upon God's will. This is My life is all about God's will. It's not about my kingdom come. It's not about what I want. Waiting upon the, the Lord uh, means that we wait for His will to be made plain and obvious. And then we seek to obey it. We don't make our own plans. Waiting upon God is completely countercultural because we've been conditioned in our culture to be impulsive in our convenience-based culture and to walk by sight and not by faith. And we can all suffer from that. We've, we've all been conditioned in this sense. And Joseph really, here, he foreshadows the greater Joseph Christ and shows us a far better way. And I say a far better way, I don't say a far easier way, I don't say a far quicker way, I say it's, it's a better way, it's a more blessed way. Because doing God's will, as we know, it's, it's often it's not quicker, and it's often it's not easier. It often, doing God's will can be painful, it, it, we can go through many sorrows and afflictions, and so it's, it's often it's not easier, and it's often not it's not quicker, but it is the blessed way. It's the way which we would not want any other way. To wait upon God as Joseph did requires in us true saving faith. An absolute belief in Christ and in His promises to us. 
We might, and, and that's what Joseph had. And I trust that we all have here today to truly trust in Christ and his promises and not be diverted from our confidence in that. And friends, if you do not have this, if there are any here or any listen today sir, that do not have that, that's what you need the most in this life. Two full years went by for Joseph and nothing happened. Forgotten about. Again, you can just imagine him. Maybe after day one, thinking, surely this is surely this time now, I, I, I'm not going to be forgotten about. And then a few days go past, and then a week goes past, and a month goes past, several months go past, nothing, nothing at all, and he's there. And no doubt the devil would have been right there, trying to tempt him and trying to perhaps uh, help him to loosen. Where's your God now? Huh? And trying to take away that confidence, as it were, in the Lord. And so surely this must have been one of the lowest and darkest and trying times of his life. Two full years. And perhaps there are some in our fellowship that like Joseph, you're, you feel like you're sometimes, and I've been through this before, you feel like sometimes you're being hemmed in. You're literally, your circumstances are, you're having heavenly men. You feel like sometimes you're in a prison, literally, because of your circumstances. And you, you sincerely want to serve the Lord, you love the Lord, you love God's people, but your circumstances aren't allowing you to get out of that cage and flourish, as it were. And you, sometimes you feel this. It, it, it's, it's, it's tangible. And but your circumstances are not allowing you to do that. You feel like you're in prison, like you're hemmed in. You sincerely desire to serve the Lord and everything, but at times you feel that you're, you're chained by these limitations, which are beyond your control. And friends, I just want to give some counsel from God's precious word here. The psalmist of old said some very sound words. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. The, the word of God says, I have fainted, this is David now, I have fainted unless I have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Just such precious words those are, aren't they? I have fainted, Unless I have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yes, God answers my prayers now. I, I, I expect to see answers to my prayers now. We've seen some of that this evening, haven't we? In some of the good news that we, we've heard. God answers prayers. He hasn't forgotten our, our prayers, but we must wait upon Him patiently. And, and if we wait a long time, we must, by God's grace, wait a little bit longer. Because David says here, wait on the Lord. I'm waiting, Lord. It's been years. It's been a decade, Lord. I'm, I'm waiting. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait a week longer, friend, and what will happen? God will strengthen your heart. And you say, Lord, I can only make it a day more. Pray, Lord, I'll wait a day more. God will strengthen your heart. 
said, Lord, I can, I can only make it another hour more. Pray, Lord, give me another hour. He will strengthen your heart. And when you almost feel like you're up, then God will come in great reviving power. And very quickly, he'll take you out of that. He knows what we can bear, friends. He really does. And if ever a man knew what it was to wait upon the, the Lord, it was David, wasn't it? He, for many years, fled Saul for over, well, over a decade. He, he, he fled from Saul. And it got to a point in his Christian walk uh, where he said in his heart, didn't he? Well, one day I'm going to die at the hands of Saul. And he fled into Philistine territory, as it were. Um, but God was so gracious to him, wasn't he? The Lord, the Lord made a way of escape for him. And so David tells of one experience. We can say that we have fallen. We do fall at times, and we acknowledge that. But we can. David gives us some sound counsel from someone who waited, but also someone who also fell. Wait upon the Lord. So he will strengthen you just a bit longer. And he will strengthen you just a bit longer every day. Step by step, and he will strengthen your heart. The Lord says, be faithful in that which is little, and he will make us faithful in that which is, which is much. That's a good theme to go on this year, isn't it, as we look ahead this year. Well, dear brethren, if Joseph did not wait upon the Lord in the space of those two full years, he would not be elevated at length to a position of such great power and influence which God will give him such wisdom and humility to, to, to save alive the known world at the time there. And do we not see in today's chapter really the overruling providence of, of God on display on the timing of which Joseph's services were recalled at, at, to remembrance at length? We see how the timing of all this was just perfect, wasn't it? Because if if Joseph did hear after a day, the butler did speak to Pharaoh, then he would have never been called and saved all those people. He would, that would have never happened, neither his family. He would have never been in that position. And so we can see the grand picture here, dear friends, and this is what we always have to have in mind for our lives. It's not about me anymore. Sometimes as Christians, and our Christians, especially young Christians, when they go through this, it's often we tend to be, it's about me, it's, it's not about me. It's about the Lord and His honour in my life. It's all about that. It's all about God's honour for my life. God needs to be honoured in everything I do. And Joseph had this spiritual maturity. And we see that at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. We see here the key to opening up these dreams is in the first verse. Behold, he stood by the river. The dreams that Pharaoh uh, dreamt, it was of the Lord, weren't they? They were prophetic. These dreams had a purpose. They were deeply symbolic. There was a design, a purpose behind them. And in verse 25, Joseph would come to tell Pharaoh of this design. And of this purpose. He says in verse 25, God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. God has showed you what he is about to do. And 
how God would so use, as, as it were, Pharaoh and, and uh, Joseph to save the known world at the time. And friends, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. Are we seeking it? Are we patiently waiting upon our God? Abraham had to wait long for the son of promise, didn't he? He had to wait many years for Isaac. Isaac had to wait long for the birth of his sons. Jacob had to wait long for a godly wife. Job had to wait long to be vindicated of his lousy comforters. Isaac, uh, Isaiah 28, 16 says, He that believeth shall not make haste. God can bring good, dear friends, out of an evil situation. The sin and forgetfulness of man does not discount the goodness and memory of God towards his people, the perfect memory towards his people. And oh, what a wonderful thing, what a wonderful thing the providence of God is to a believer who's truly is trusting in the Lord. The peace of God passes all understanding in keeping believers' hearts. Now, friends, we're told in verses 1 through 7 the two dreams that Pharaoh had. They were symbolic and they were deeply prophetic. Uh, which Pharaoh, Pharaoh was so troubled about. These two, these two dreams he had. These two dreams he was so troubled about. Let's just remind ourselves of these dreams. Verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. That's the key, the standing by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favoured kine and fat flesh, and they fed in, in the meadow. The kine are the cows, the well-nourished cows. And behold, seven other kind cows came up after out of the river, ill-favoured, these were famished, these cows, they were thin, and lean flesh, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. Both of them stood next to each other, and the ill-favoured and lean-fleshed ones, the famished ones, the cows, did eat up the seven well-favoured and fat kind cows. And so Pharaoh awoke. He was startled by this. Why? Why was he so troubled? Goes on to say, and he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn uh, up upon one stalk, rank and good, the same similar to the first dream. These, these big and fat corn came up, and behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east winds from up after them. And the, the, the seven thin ear, ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Again, he was deeply troubled and startled by these things. Why? And it came to pass, verse 8, in the morning, that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for the magicians, all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto <coughs> Pharaoh. And so we learned in verse 8 that Pharaoh was troubled by such dreams. So much so that he called all these magicians of Egypt, all these wise men of Egypt, but none come, could interpret them for him. And friends, such is the natural man's heart, the wisdom of this world, that they are completely switched off to the things of God. All these wise men of Egypt, all these magicians, they were completely clueless. 
was completely switched off to the things of God. It needed, it needed someone in which the Spirit of God was working in, in order to open this up. And Joseph's performance clearly showed that the Spirit of God was dwelling in, in him richly. Now why, one, one may ask, was Pharaoh so deeply troubled over such dreams? Well, understanding the, the ancient Egyptians' mindset, again, is quite important in this respect. You see, at the beginning of Pharaoh's dream, he stood by the river. And of course, that river is referring to the great River Nile, the, the longest river in the world, the greatest river in the world. It was the River Nile which was the greatest source of fertility and life in the land of Egypt. And Egypt back then, of course, was the superpower of the world, and Egypt was also known to be the breadbasket of the Mediterranean. Many countries depended on Egypt for food. It was highly productive, a highly productive land. And so Pharaoh recognized, though very, very vaguely, that the source of all life depended upon that river Nile, and ultimately from the Lord God. He vaguely recognized, standing upon that brink of that river, that uh, this, the corn and, the, and the, the, the cows, they all depended upon that river, and ultimately from God. And the sunshine and the rain, dear friends, we, it was only when we go through a drought or we go through a heat spell where we notice, actually, that it, everything stops. Pretty much. If, if you go through a bad one, it affects everything. Pharaoh vaguely recognizes from whence the cows would be nourished and the corn would, would flourish. It was from the river Nile. Now, brethren, it was only when God gave Pharaoh these prophetic dreams and deeply symbolic dreams that he was troubled. And all else had failed, all the wisdom of men. And then only then the chief baker recalled Joseph's kindness to him and was moved to help the king. It was more than likely he was doing it for his own promotion, not out of actual, actual gratitude for Joseph. And so let this also be an encouragement to those who faithfully witness for the Lord that their, that their compassion and their witness and their evangelistic zeal is not forgotten about by the Lord. After two, four years, two years, after many years, it may be forgotten about by men, but never on the Lord. The Lord can so change people's circumstances and bring those words back, can't he, in people's lives. A word which we may have said to someone on the high street or a track we've given, and maybe for an, an hour or a moment, they thought about that and they were convicted about that. And then something happened, they were taken away, whatever may have happened. Years have gone by. And then very suddenly they brought very low. Well, God can bring that money back again, can't he? He can bring people in situations like that. What an encouragement to, to us, dear friends, to wait upon the Lord. The Lord, years later, can bring back to remembrance those, those heartfelt sowing of the gospel seed. He can do that. The words of Hebrews 10, 35 to 36 come to mind. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which have great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. What precious words those are. Beloved, if 
there is a glorious day and a set time for the deliverance of God's people where we will at last be elevated, as it were, like Joseph, to see the King of Kings in his glory. It's not always going to be pain and sorrow and being maligned as believers. There's going to be a great day. And no doubt we can't wait that that day is coming soon where we will all be elevated to see the King of Kings. And though he tarry long, sweet will be the consolation and joy and peace of true believers. Now friends, in conclusion of today's study, we see the chief butler's acknowledging of his faults and forgetting Joseph's. Joseph. We see in verses 19 through 13. Now it must be said that he more than likely did this again for his own promotion, rather than heartfelt gratitude to Joseph. But nevertheless, the principle is that it's best to repent, even at length, when, when, when we've forgotten our duty of love to the Lord. Better late than never, isn't it? Better late than never. It's, it's better, even if we fail the Lord in their areas, even if we've, we've for a time or season, gone, gone backward, it's better. It's, it's better, better late than never, as it were. Uh, Proverbs 29.1 says, He that, being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And at last we see Joseph's godly faith, patience, and humility rewarded when he is called by Pharaoh in verse 14. And that reads as follows. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Just a few thoughts, last thoughts in closing, beloved. If Joseph would have been taken early in prison and released early from his affliction and trial of faith, like I said earlier, he would not have been stood before the king and been used for such great instrumentality. He would have gone straight home to, to be with his father, no, no doubt. Um, but here, all these things worked for good to save about many people. What they meant for evil, God has used for good. What an encouragement. And furthermore, if all these trials of faith had not, not happened to Joseph, he would not have built up such a spiritual character and humility and faith and experience to stand before the king, unabashed, as it were. He did not flinch. In his words, he said to the king, he boldly proclaimed in verse 16 that, that really there's nothing special about him. It's all of God. You see, if he didn't undergo all these difficulties, he would not have said in verse 16, it is not in me. He's been, he's been in a hellhole, you know, an Egyptian hellhole. And he's been suffering there, and he says, no, no, it's not in me. <laughs> Pharaoh said, okay, I'll put you back into prison. It's not only me, but he says, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. God gets the glory in my life. He gets the honour in my life. It's not only me, as it were. And that should be our response. That is often the purpose of our trials. They work in us spiritual character. Uh, humility. This, the humility here is, is wonderful to see. It's not only me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And this this is his 30th year, and we see that the spiritual maturity is way beyond his years, isn't it? True saving faith humbles a soul 
and exalts Christ. Like John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Saving faith and humility are related to one another in a believer's heart. They're closely related to one another. One, one last thought in closing before we close and look at Joseph's exaltation. Before we look at Joseph's exaltation in the public administration uh, uh, next time, I think it's next week potentially. Look at the way, verse 14, how Joseph was taken out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. You can quite easily just pass over that very quickly, can't you? But there's a lot in there. Although he was called hastily, it was a hurry, he was called in a haste, Joseph took the time to come before the king respectfully, respectfully. He showed, didn't he? He shaved himself and he changed his raiment. And according again to Egyptian antiquity and etiquette, those who grew beards back then, this was a cultural thing back then, even, even if they were, were amongst, even if they were within nobility, sometimes you see the goatee things, don't you? <laughs> Some of these pharaohs had. But even if they had the these beards, they were considered to be unkept men, a bit sloppy, as it, as it were, and a bit careless. And so Joseph's wisdom in preparing himself before the monarch shows his spiritual wisdom far beyond his, his age, even in the very smallest things, in the very minute things. No doubt he would have been listened to by Pharaoh, but it shows Pharaoh she was bringing him up hastily, and there he is. Um, now hold on, I can't see him. I want to shave, I want to present myself. I'm going to see the king here. And so even in the little things, he is very spiritually meticulous, as it were. And let us, dear brethren, be sure to always prepare our hearts before we come to worship before the king of kings. Here, there's a principle there. Never come into God's house perhaps with bad attitude or something upon your heart or you know, some vindication or something at work or something happening or your heart and your mind distracted or something else. You'll never profit from the word. Come, we come before the King of Kings, not before men. We come, we want, to, we, want, we want an audience with the King. We want to glorify the King. We want to worship the King of Kings. And so therefore we, we must, we come to worship the Lord. And so the, the, the little things are sometimes important. Are we kind of rushing to get to God's house so there's like a minute to spare? Or do we come where we can sit down 10-15 minutes beforehand and prepare our hearts? And, work, and prepare our hearts to worship the Lord. We will profit a lot more. And I know sometimes it means we might have to get it earlier. But we see here, we see here the great blessing that we can gain from, and that's just a little, something I mentioned, it applies to everything. It applies to our quiet time in the morning, it applies to our family devotional times. Are we preparing our hearts? We will, we will profit so much more when we do so, and we come before the King of Kings. And so let us never ever be casual and be distracted in such things. Amen. Amen.